The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hey, welcome to the Miracle of Healing. If you are been riding along with us for a while, welcome back. And if you're new, I'm super glad you're here. We have a wonderful show today. We're going to talk about wild yoga and what can happen to us when we're in our bodies, when we're one with nature, when we're in touch with sort of this innate intelligence that we have that's part of our body sense. We can really open to incredible levels of, I don't know, beauty and spirit and nature can really help us inspire movement, align our instincts, initiate us into living in our soul's purpose, mm-hmm. and guide us to tending the well-being of all life. So today we're going to talk to author and wild yoga creator Rebecca Wildbear, who wrote this incredible book, Wild Yoga, around and created this form of yoga called Wild Yoga that helps us reconnect to this deeper part of ourselves to each other and to the natural world. So welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is really fantastic, your book, Wild Yoga. And I loved your story. I wondered if we could start out just by talking a little bit about how you came to embody wild yoga, what it is, and how you came to be there. Sure. Um, Well, you know, sometimes when we create things, it can be partially related to the whole story of our lives and, and everything. I think there's different pieces of my story woven throughout the book, starting in my childhood with my love of nature and climbing in trees and going to trees for solace and somehow as a child, just inherently feeling connected to nature, even in my suburban neighborhood. And uh, then, you know, when I was older, uh, working at summer camp, um, the summers I was in college in the Contocton Mountains and uh, working for Outward Bound, becoming a wilderness guide, ultimately working with Animus Valley Institute and um, studying in uh, soul initiation and dream work and conversations with nature. Uh, you know, my journey with cancer was definitely a piece of it too. That was in my senior year in college. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was a philosophy religious studies major. I also had a writing and minor in, and a major in psychology too. But I was definitely there questioning the purpose of life and what is God and what is sacred. Um, I was raised Catholic, but I had kind of left that behind. And I was seeking something else that felt more mystical or personal or direct. 
that there was just more of an experiential component to it. And well, when I had cancer, that was the experiential component. You know, there, there became a, a physical sense of uh, being near death of something shifting inside me. Um, I had to slow down to a level that I never had experienced. You know, when I was young, I was quite, quite full with activities, editor of the newspaper, RA, a student, social life, you know, busy. So I had to stop a lot of things. I was still in college and involved to some level, but I had to slow down a whole lot and sit with myself. And in doing that, I started to notice something inside me that I hadn't noticed before, something sacred. I had always experienced the natural world as sacred. That's where I had most often experientially felt a higher power. So it began to open a door, open doors for me, or at least show me doors that could could become open, like whole other depths of possibility to myself in life that I hadn't known before. And when I got well, I didn't quite know how to deepen into them right away. I explored a lot of different possible religions and different things and couldn't quite find the thing. You know, when I found um, Animus Valley Institute, that was definitely a big key for me in finding practices to talk to nature and listen to dreams and encounter my soul, uh, go on long stays in the wilderness. And and then I also studied a lot of um, body-centered kinds of therapies, Hakomi um, mm-hmm. therapy. I did their comprehensive training and I did uh, studied with Ruby Gibson and did her somatic listening training and um, studied with a lot of body-centered psychotherapists and also studied meditation and then studied yoga with Don and Amba Stapleton in, in Nassar Yoga Institute. I fell in love with Costa Rica um, and uh, mm-hmm. the ocean and doing yoga in that environment in particular was like doing yoga in nature. Our studios were outdoors and uh, a lot of times we did yoga on location. I also worked as a yoga teacher in an off-grid eco farm several winters in Costa Rica, really remote place in the south of Costa Rica on the Pacific coast called Punta Banco. I wrote about that. And uh, like doing yoga in nature like that and uh, working with Don Anamba, who who encouraged us to create our own yoga. Don was an art teacher first. Mm. You know, really those, all those things inspired me, all those life events. And uh, in many ways, I, I started, uh, I think in chapter one, I mentioned a conversation I had with uh, the tide pools in Nasara. They're really one of my favorite places right. in the world. And um, I was doing yoga in the tide pools and on the beach and on the rocks and around the areas, sort of in a vinyasa flow, but one that moved from place to place on the beach and in the in the tide pools themselves. And I talked to nature and the, I kept hearing from the place, this is something, you know, invite more people. And um, I kept saying, oh, no, this is just for me. This is just something I like. Nobody else would be interested in this. And And the place kept you know, encouraging me to invite more people. And so eventually I did, you know, and it started out slowly because I was very shy to advertise, but um, that's kind of, that was uh, about 15 years ago. And um, I started doing yoga, you know, just uh, some yoga retreats a few times a year, first just once a year and then a few times a year. And um, I've always been writing and ultimately it led to the writing of the book, the whole, the whole practice. That's beautiful. I love how it all came together that way. And I was, as I was reading your book, I was realizing like, I'm like, oh, dang, like I'm in one of those phases of my life where I got very disconnected from my body. You know, I just launched a book and it's all this intellectual stuff. And, and I was like, somehow for me, that's a lesson I have to remember, like almost on the daily, like, you know, to tap in and, you know, I love how you sort of lead from there. 
you know, for most of it's a bit of an after afterthought. And even though I know better, it's still for me sometimes an afterthought. So can you speak to that a little bit? Oh yeah. And and I can say how it can I can relate totally to what you're saying, having just written a book and all the hours that are required at the <laughs> computer and you know, the single focusedness yeah. of that. Um, I actually went to Nasara, which I hadn't been to in, in about five or six years uh, since Nasara Yoga Institute closed. I hadn't been there, but I went there the, after I wrote the book to just try to to give myself time to sink back in to my body, you know, full time. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, this culture in general with being the demands on Zoom or phone or screen and then the, there's cars mm-hmm. that you have to drive places to between the cars and the computers. It just seems like sometimes you could spend your whole life relating to people from your mind. So, and there's nobody there to tap on your shoulder and say, Hey, by the way, um, get in your body today. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Nobody else really cares. You know, the commitments that we have to other people are usually off, most often around zoom or, or getting somewhere in our car. So it really has to be kind of our priority or um, a community of people and friends that we might belong to. Um, but I have to, help myself, remind myself to, to do yoga. It's certainly a lot easier for me when I'm in a wild place um, to be in my body. When I'm Mm -hmm. away from screens, like I guide part of the year in the wilderness and when there's no screens or cars pulling me away and I'm just in the wild, well, there I am. The, the wild is in its body. And so I'm in, I'm in the company of wise beings in their body. And then therefore, so, so am I sooner or later. And um, order in yeah. a daily life, you know, to, you know, to me here in this culture, it sort of requires me to have a, a time every day where I allow myself to get into my body, either be it by being outside or being on my yoga mat. I love that. It, it is like a daily practice. And there's just so, there's this setup like you're talking about, about the world that we live in. You know, when we're in our houses and we're disconnected from the earth and we're on the screens and in the cars, we sort of unplug, I think, from both of our bodies and from this greater thing that's nature. When we're in nature, you automatically are getting your body pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like if you're really in the wilderness, if you're really in the wild, you kind of got to be there. Exactly. It just sort of pulls you in and, you know, you're walking on the land, maybe in bare feet or you're lying down on the land or you're sitting and suddenly you start to feel the other parts of yourself more fully. What can people do to bring that in, even if we're not, you know, I mean, I live in kind of a rural area, but there's, it's New England. There's not like a ton of wilderness right around me. What do we do then? What I do when I'm in town is I still try to get out to nature on a walk, on a short walk. I have a pup, so it's not too, I go, I'm out every day, but. Yeah, me too. You know, like I go, I I try to go places where I can look at water flowing or feel some trees on my back and make like physical, physical, visceral contact with nature. And, you know, I try to get on my yoga mat or um, I recently just got into aerial yoga. You can see the aerial yoga. Cool. That's neat. uh, You know, just finding something. It doesn't have to be, you know, if your yoga practice isn't inspiring you, like you feel like it's a have to, then, you know, that's not really the practice. I think it's got to be something that you enjoy. You know, sometimes for me, it's actually just lying down on my mat and doing doing some movements that are just very gentle and simple and turning on some music and then just seeing what happens, seeing what I want to do. If it's lie still or roll around in some way or do some poses. For me, lately, it's been getting in the aerial yoga sling. 
so, you know, finding some way, something about that our body likes. One of my friends, one of my good friends is really into dancing and he has great music. So if you can get some good songs and dance to just one or two songs a day, that can be another way, but something, you know, something that allows you, some people like, you know, doing something else physical, like, you know, I, I've liked whitewater rafting. I've been a whitewater raft guide. Some people like rock climbing or telemark skiing or, you know, just something, something that allows your body, I call it, allows your body to be alive and something that you like. So I belong to a dance community um, here in, in Providence and we do, when the weather's good, we do something called trail dancing. Oh, wow. <laughs> so somebody brings their mobile speaker and we trail dance. We go on the trail and dance. It's fun. That's great. Really cool. Great, yeah, great combination stuff. of two loves. Right? <laughs> yeah. So wild yoga, we bring the yoga mat out of the studio. Most of us practice yoga in our studios or in our homes. And I bet most people have never, maybe like when the middle of the pandemic, you took one yoga class outside because that's the, where they were happening. But probably most of us haven't done a whole lot of yoga outside. Yeah, you know, I, I find like yoga, yoga has this capacity to expand our consciousness. Like it, it you know, it takes us, it's kind of a, a little bit, counterintuitive because it takes us deeper into our bodies and then it also like makes our consciousness more expansive so somehow we can see others in the world around us it's like we've cleared the cobwebs and now everything's opened up so I find that when I do that in nature it's such a pleasurable experience because the natural what what, what more would I want to expand into than nature you know it's almost a little bit of a letdown if I'm in a yoga studio room when I'd rather like when I'm in this expansive state, be communing with the beauty of the natural world around me. And, you know, when I taught yoga in the outdoor studio in Costa Rica over the winter, I would find that nature would kind of join the class and I when we did the yoga. It's like sometimes, I don't know if they could feel our relaxed vibe or what, but, you know, some unusual things happen, like a troop of monkeys would swing right by us or um, a toucan would land above us and, and start singing. So there was, you know, there's interesting uh, things that could ha that can happen that I call it nature can participate in our practice by whatever the conversation is, whoever shows up. feels like there's this beautiful like feedback loop between nature and us. Like as we widen our perception, as we sort of drop into these deeper parts of ourselves. And you talk about animistic perception in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and why it's important? Yeah. Animistic perception is um, perceiving the natural world as alive and sentient. It's kind of a big thing because that, that's, I think it's at the crux of, you know, the ecological crisis. If we don't look at natural, the natural world as alive, it becomes easier to just destroy beings and lands and species. And when we see everything as alive, we know that that's not a balanced way to live. We can't destroy, you know, what is alive and has its own well-being, as well as the fact that it also does relate to our own life. I mean, we're only alive because of the, you know, that we're being fed by the earth, food and oxygen and water. The, the earth has a, has a life of its own, you could say, has a sentience, has a consciousness, and um, we can communicate with that. And it might not be easy at first because it might not be as easy as, you know, humans who we know the same language, but it is possible. And it was a big shift for me. I think as a child, I knew it because I just sort of did it automatically. And then, of course, 
by five years old, I had learned, oh, well, that's not real. It's your imagination. Mm -hmm. So I switched to that belief and then adopted that belief, you could say. And then when I was um, doing wilderness therapy in my 20s, you know, I thought I was in my dream job. I get to be in the wilderness all the time. I'm helping people. This is it. But something felt very missing. Like, you know, I was also an outdoor, avid outdoor person, backpacking, mountain biking, you know, hiking, whatever I could do outside. And I just felt like, oh, gosh, like nature, I'm in nature, this beautiful playground, this beautiful backdrop. But I feel like there's this much bigger possibility of a kind of conversation that can happen. And so that's when I started to open up to try to find ways to learn how to have that conversation. Um, It felt like, you know, indigenous peoples, which of course we all come from originally, however many generations back or whatever lands from, you know, humans, you know, hundreds of years ago talked to nature and that was just the norm. Now it's become the norm not to talk to nature, but that wasn't the way it was for humans originally. So I returned to learn some practices uh, to help me come back to having a conversation. So when we have an animistic perspective, we we, that's this perspective. We see everything as alive, beings we can relate to and have a conversation with. And, um, you know, if we can't do it at first, sometimes it's hard to skip from seeing something as animate and inanimate and dead to alive and full of life. So one way, great way to start is just, well, what if? Imagine, you know, like the five or six-year-old of you would go out and imagine. And um, I have many people in the programs I guide online and in person who come into that and open up to playing in that way and find that surprising and amazing things happen. Well, let's um, continue the conversation after a quick break. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So we are here with Rebecca Wildbear talking about her book, Wild Yoga. And Rebecca, you talk a lot sort of the wild part. There's wilderness, but there's also the wild inside of us. And that seems to be a big part of what you're talking about. I loved this part of your book. Kind of that fe- that feral female ferocity, I think you call it, and and how we can really use our encounters with both yoga, which kind of cracks us open. And when we do that in the wilderness, we we can touch this part of us we've sort of lost as we've been civilized. Can you speak to that? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, there's a lot of wilderness inside of us. You know, we just talked about the body and our own wild nature and, our, and how our bodies feel in nature. And um, yeah, you know, when we start cracking open to our hearts, um, we find a lot of things. You know, one of the things that can happen in our civilized world too through trauma is that we shut down our bodies, we shut down our hearts. And so all these practices are about to open us up. And in doing that, we feel more. And one of the things we might feel is anger. And that's also one of the feelings that's usually the most not allowed. I think particularly for women, um, we're supposed to be kind and nice. and, and, And there are forms of anger and violence, certainly, that are coming from a very harmful place and are really not good at all. 
you know, some of that kind of violence toward the planet that's destroying, you know, the natural world, uh, the violence that, you know, women, you know, have a lot of domestic violence issues that can happen. Uh, so there's a lot that isn't good, but there's also, I'd say, a missing kind of ferocity that's healthy that we, we call back in. So many times I've worked with clients who've, you know, had a dream about a character that was angry or um, started feeling anger in themselves. And they're like, oh gosh, I should just, I should try to be more peaceful. I should try to let this go. And, you know, my encouragement is like, no, actually, maybe there's something really important about this. That's why it's coming up. That's why you're feeling it. That's why it's in your dream. And, uh, you know, a lot of times ferocity in the natural world is something that acts to protect itself, uh, to have boundaries, to say no. And, Sometimes in our culture, I would say one of the reasons that our culture has become the way it is, is we've been taught to be too complicit, to go along too much Mm -hmm. and to just, you know, play nice with things that we don't really believe in or want to do. And so this chapter, you know, calls back our ferocity as part of our wholeness, as part of our wellness, um, to follow those instincts and come to know what they're really saying. You know, I, I also relate it to Um, wanting to act and speak for the earth. You know, the earth is our beloved too. For me, it is, you know, we, I think it's natural. It can be natural to want to protect ourselves, to protect our family, to protect our loved ones. And it used to be when people lived on the earth in particular places, that part of that ferocity extended to protecting the earth, protecting their land base, their home. Now humans in, in our time have become a bit more displaced and maybe not associated with particular lands. And so it's become harder to connect with this desire and this natural instinct to want to protect life. But, you know, in wild yoga, I'm calling back our ferocity um, to protect ourselves, our loved ones, and also to protect the wild world as a natural instinct for our our health and well-being and and the health and well-being of our world. That's beautiful. And I love sort of, you talk also about the grief that opens up. Like, so when we crack open, we have anger, but we also have grief and moving through grief. And I remember my one of my very first yoga classes I took, it was a long time ago. I cried on the yoga mat and the other and the other ladies around me were like, shh, like don't, don't do that, you know? <laughs> um, and I, the teacher was really cool though. She was like, everyone's allowed to cry on the yoga mat. You know, that's how we know we're doing a good job. <laughs> and um, so I just like, thank goodness for her. She really, she really, that was an inspirational moment for me. But, you know, that's what happens when we, when we start dropping off this domestication, right? This sort of brainwashy domestication that we've been living under that spell, we also can touch really deep grief, right? Yeah, um, totally. Uh, I'd, I'd say whenever we love anything, we, we will grieve too, because part of loving is, is grieving. Everything dies and gets injured yeah. and gets hurt and sometimes has injustices. And it's totally normal for people to cry on the yoga mat. Um, that's not uncommon at all when we're at home in our bodies and we're moving that suddenly, you know, a lot of times it can feel like there's no space for us in life to cry. There's like, just like we have to keep together and keep going. Um, but in yoga, finally, we're just with ourselves. That's really what time on the yoga mat is. It's to me, it's not any particular poses. It's not a performance. It's not having to do anything in particular. It's just, it's time to be with ourselves. And when we do that, what we can find is that there's grief or tears that haven't had a chance to, to be shared. Sometimes I feel like tears, the first level of tears is just me feeling my heart. It's like when I'm crying, I'm not like, Oh, yeah. okay. There, there's a connection. I'm connected to my heart now. 
Yeah. I, I love, you know, I love, I'm going to try some wild yoga because sometimes I feel in uh, my own yoga practice, a little frustrated with the studio yoga and everyone wants to look, you know, a certain way. And they're, they're really like the image of what a yoga person is supposed to be like is sometimes dominant in the room, you know? And I just love the way you practice, which is because it's really about rawness and authenticity, which I don't always find all the time. So I, for one of my big takeaways for your wild yoga is this authenticity and rawness of really being who we are in the most deepest way. And that that's really what nourishes and restores who we are. Yeah, it's beautiful. I agree. Yeah, wild yoga is a little bit different than regular yoga in that way. And that, you know, I just consider the asana practice a part of the practice. It's like one branch in the tree. In mainstream yoga, a lot of times, yoga asana is the word yoga has been substituted for yoga asana, meaning it's just the body practice that's everything. And the body practice is part of it, but it's it's only a part. Like it's it's about the whole of us. And so when we get on our yoga mat, if we can bring all of that there, then it's not just about you know how we look. I always tell people in my yoga classes, yoga is not Simon Says, so you don't have to do exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to try to take us on a journey um, with lots of options for different people. But at any point, if you want to do something more advanced, you know, go for it. If you want to do something more gentle, go for it. I have a lot of people of a great diversity of abilities in my class. Some people have never done yoga mm-hmm. before and some people, you know, are yoga teachers. So um, there can be a, a large diversity of, of poses. And I, I just love that because it's, it's a practice that's meeting our own bodies where we are and, and loving them and not trying to, you know, be the same as everyone else. Like you talk a lot about, you know, the, like coming into harmony with the earth and, and having a real like ecological healing and make taking a stand advocacy for the earth. What can we do to support that? If we're feeling like nobody, we don't want to see the earth, you know, being harmed the way, the way she is at the moment. How how can we use our yoga practice to um, just create more harmony with our ecology? Well, I think there's, you know, there's lots of different pieces to it and it just depends to where we are in the journey. Sometimes just coming back into our bodies and, you know, waking up and feeling our hearts is, is part of it. And sometimes, you know, fostering a connection to the natural world, having a real relationship, seeing the wild world as as real beings who, you know, we can interact with. And then then we care about them. And then if they're being destroyed, it's like, whoa, wait a second. How How is it that our culture, the powers that be in our culture think this is okay to just destroy this? And and then, you know, it also is, um, you know, re reevaluating, I think, the whole way our culture is living, including us. I mean, we were raised in this culture. So we're, you know, I could say we're kind of addicted to it. I mean, me too. I'm included in that. Like, I still drive a car. I still use a computer. So I'm part of the way that our culture works. But noticing how our culture is out of balance. It's not about saying, you know, somebody's better or worse than anyone because they do or don't use these products or that sort of thing. That it, That's not how I, I look at it. I just look at it as we're all in this in the system and the system has to change. And what can we do to push the system to change? Um, and there can be pieces in there too, personally, about our own ways of life and, and how we can imagine ourselves living a completely different life, much simpler, consuming less with less products, you know, that we can begin to visualize that. And we can also, you know, ask the earth, like, you know, we don't know all the answers. Obviously, if we did, you know, things would be different. And even if we have, we think we have the right answers, we haven't figured out how to make the systems of power 
uh, follow them. So we still don't have the answer. So, you know, I think a lot of it is about going into our dreams and visualizing and asking the earth to help us. But I also am a strong advocate for supporting anyone who's doing any work to protect lands and species. You know, we can't lose any more um, than we've already lost. So, you know, I just I'm in love with all people that support land and species and do my best to do what I can in my my part in the, in the to support them. And whether it's donations or whether it's uh, helping them with certain uh, tasks or getting the word out about what they're up to whoever we can align with that's helping to protect the wild world is a good thing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Can you share how people can find more, more about your work and where they can get your book? Yeah, my, uh, my, I have a website, RebeccaWildBear.com. So if you want to learn more about me, uh, my book, uh, more about the programs I offer online and in person, you can check out my website. Um, just my name, all lowercase, RebeccaWildBear.com. Also, you can find my email address there. You could always reach out and email me if you want to do a personal session or you want to connect for some other reason. You can find links to order my book on that website. You can order my book most places. It's online and at New World Library and at many different forums. Uh, so you'll find the links on my website or most places. So I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Rebecca, and sharing this beautiful wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. It's been great to talk with you. And thanks all of you guys for tuning in. I'm sure you just want to reach right over there and hit that subscribe button and tell all your friends about the show so we can keep sharing these beautiful miracles that we hear about on this radio program. So thanks for joining us here on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.